Welcome to Food Friends. I'm Carrie. And I'm Sonia. We met in Los Angeles over 15 years ago as private chefs and haven't stopped talking about food since. We created Food Friends to share our stories and recipes with each other and you. We're so glad you're here. This week's episode offers a hot take on the coldest place in your kitchen. Yes, food friends, we are talking about our freezers. When I was growing up, many people I knew had multiple freezers, including my family. A couple of years ago, Sonia called me to share that she had also invested in a second freezer for her house in Portland. It was then that we discovered that we each have a deep love of our freezers and have gone as far as to refer to our freezers as a treasure chest. In this spirited conversation, we talk about the many ways that we use our freezers to our advantage. Whether you're a new cook or a pro, I think this conversation will inspire everyone to appreciate the potential of their freezer. Hi, Hi, Sonia. (laughs) (laughs) Sonia, I'm so excited. I know. I know we always start like we always start like this, but I'm especially excited about this week's episode. Well, I kind of I feel like this is really your jam too. This is like where you shine is oh, talking. Oh, I, I think we really? do too. Oh, really? Yes, we're bearing the lead. We're going to talk today about our freezers. Freezers. The the, <laughs> the love of freezers. I mean, I think I remember when I told you I bought my first chest freezer. I had only ever yeah. had my standard refrigerator freezer. I don't know if it was 2019. Sometime I bought a small chest freezer. My love of freezers grew exponentially. I honestly can't remember a time when I didn't have two freezers, which I don't know if that sounds like a weird thing for people. Certainly where I grew up, everyone had multiple freezers because people save a lot of things. People keep things in their freezers. I'm so so curious about this Midwestern freezer tradition because I don't, I feel like it was very mixed. You know what people had a lot of growing up was like the garage fridge full of drinks. We had that too. We had, we had like the standard fridge freezer in our kitchen. And then we had another fridge freezer in the garage, which had, we called it the pop fridge. Because oh, yeah. in where I'm from, we call soda pop. And no, so we, call we had it pop the in the Northwest too. All right. So we yeah. had the pop fridge and there were, you know, Cokes and M- Mountain Dews and all the things in the fridge. And then that freezer, which was like a smaller freezer, had things like drumsticks and dilly bars because our town had a, um, a Dairy Queen. So we had like all the Dairy Queen <laughs> treats in that one. Also, or Dairy Queen treats in your home freezer. Well, yeah. Because if you didn't want to drive to the Dairy Queen, you could get like a oh, dilly bar. Out of the freezer. But then we also had a chest freezer. My parents would buy like part of a cow or half of a cow and we would put all of the meat in the freezer. And then my mom would take it out. You know, she'd take out like a pound of ground beef and chili or make burgers or whatever. Growing up, I did not have a chest freezer and we, but we did have a second fridge and we most certainly were not allowed to have pop or soda. Like we weren't even allowed to have Capri Suns. We weren't allowed to have, I mean, I think I had tomato juices and sometimes cranberry juice is like <laughs> my family was like so not allowed because of sugar but our second fridge I just always remember there'd be weird things inside it like my mom would make um oh this I just have such a strong visual memory of going to the downstairs fridge and there being a tray of chicken feet in a kind of meat jello <laughs> true story because that was an immigrant food it would just be like overflow from the main fridge but we did use our freezer but I think in our family it was much more the standard 
freezer fare, like ice cream, frozen vegetables, whatever you keep. Yeah. I mean, my grandparents had a, a chest freezer that could fit. It's funny. I made the joke to my dad and I told him that I was talking to you about this. And I was like, remember grandma and grandpa used to have this chest freezer that you could fit a person into, like an adult person. Just so and creepy. He, and he goes, you could fit two adult people into that freezer. That It was so big. But that's how you know my dad grew up on a farm and you couldn't just go to the grocery store and kind of get whatever you wanted. They lived far away from the grocery store and they had chickens and they would- Well, you want it's a way to preserve stuff too. You don't want to waste anything. I I think this is where we really connect about the freezer is the freezer as a place of preservation, a freezer as a place that like saves you on a weeknight, right? And a freezer is a place where you hold all your food investments. Yeah, I think certainly the way that I grew up was my parents were, my mom was always pulling things out of the freezer, definitely meat, ground beef or ground pork or steaks or a roast, you know, those kinds of things. And then also frozen vegetables. Like it was a a way to sort of save time. When I became a chef, there were a couple of families that really used their freezer. And I think that's where I started to come to this idea of your freezer as an investment and also as a place where you kind of leave these treasures for yourself. Like if you take the time to make a tomato soup and you there's like a couple of cups left rather than tossing it or or forcing yourself to eat it when you're kind of tired of it, I just stick it in a freezer bag and put it in the freezer or minestrone soup or whatever. Wait, so you're storing your soups in freezer bags to take up less space instead of quart containers or or pint jars? Yeah, I was using pint jars for a while, but they don't, the way that my freezer is structured now, it just like doesn't maximize that space. And so if you freeze them in a freezer bag, like a quart freezer bag, then they're almost like files. You know, you can lay them yes. on, on top of each other. And if they get a little unruly, you can always stick them in a bag. Sometimes they fall out on my feet, which is not not great. Yes. Um, like if, if you have too many in there, you know, and you open up the freezer and things are like, like popping out at you. You know, speaking of my, not speaking of it, you know, I've, I talk all the time about my favorite YouTube cooking videos. I did see on one of the Korean ones, this woman, she was also freezing things in freezer bags. And at the top, she was using those bar clips, you know, like those little binder clips. And she would oh, put little yeah. labels with tape that would be like what it is. So it literally was like a filing cabinet because she had like a lower drawer How freezer. Brilliant. Isn't that so? And so it would be like stacked straight up with just the top and a label. And she was freezing everything in there. Prawns, clams, broths, vegetables, like everything. Well, I guess let's get down to it because I think there's such specificity in my two freezers that I use. And then also like I've been talking about freezer that my parents used or the freezer that my grandparents used. And I feel like that's kind of next level. Like I don't really have that much space. I have one drawer in my inside and then I just have like a half one of the side-by-side fridge freezers in our garage. Yeah, I think we definitely need to talk about how you and I use our freezers because I agree. My main kitchen freezer, I only have one refrigerator with a, you know, it's a refrigerator with two doors. One half is a freezer, one's a regular fridge. And then I have a chest freezer and I approach the freezers very differently. So differently. So differently. So I'm curious. Okay. Why don't we start there? How do you approach your like main kitchen freezer versus your storage freezer, right? Two things that I think we use the most in our kitchen freezer is we freeze bread. Like when we go to the farmer's market, we get a sourdough loaf or go to one of our favorite bakeries and And a loaf of bread like that 
that's 10 bucks is an investment. And there were times during, certainly during the pandemic, when I was making these sourdough loaves or we were eating so much bread that we would never freeze it. But I just think like the demands of our life require us to freeze it because I think it is an investment. So what I always do is come home from the farmer's market. I cut it up. I try to cut slices that are sandwich slices and I put those in bags that are labeled sandwich slices. And then if there are some like oblong ones, oh, I wow. put those this in a bag is- that are that are for toast. And then there's always like the ends of the bread, yes. you know, that you, Mac doesn't love those for toast or whatever. And so I put those in a, their own bag called bread chips. And what do you do with those? Basically, I usually use them for like croutons or if there's bread pudding or something like that. But kind of of all the random pieces of bread go into the bread chip bag. You're already next level because I also freeze my bread. I also <laughs> – you're next level. Sometimes we have too much bread and we're only two people. And yeah. I love – and I also – it's not just that it might be too much bread. I just find that after a day or two, a beautiful fresh sourdough just doesn't – isn't the same no matter how yeah. you store it. So after the second day, slice it as well and put it in the freezer. See, I just don't even waste the time. I just come home and immediately yeah. – like the day that we get it, I just – because I just have my little system. And so the sidestep of that is also we keep, sometimes I get English muffins. There's also a place that we like to get bagels from. So we do the same thing. If we get bagels, we'll get a dozen bagels. We'll come home, we'll cut them all in half. And then you flip them around so that when you want to take them out of the freezer, they're not stuck together. You're a genius. How has no one ever told me that? And I'm Jewish. I have been freezing bagels my whole life. I do exactly the same. I get bagels when I get them the day of, I slice them in half and freeze them. But to flip them inside out, you've just changed well, my I life. Learned, I think I learned that when we lived in Montreal, we used to go to St. Vieter Bagel. That was our favorite bagel place. And when yes. you buy a dozen bagels, the first thing that they do is they stick them in a paper bag and then they stick a plastic bag on top because they like expect you to take care of their bagels and like respect them. <laughs> and so that's, I think we kind of, that's when we discovered this idea of you slice them and then you flip them around. Yeah. And so that if you you don't want to eat a whole bagel, then you can just take out a half and toast that. This is I would so, say so revelatory. Can't even. <laughs> I can barely handle it. Also, this division of sandwich pieces versus toast pieces. Because even this morning, we were toasting frozen bread and it was like things were stuck and there were weird shaped pieces and I hadn't pre-sorted them. And I understand it's this extra step that I may or may not do. But at the same time, it seems it so smart. It doesn't really take that much time though. Right. Okay. The bagel thing is like such a game changer. I can't even handle it. Do you do the same with English muffins? Do you flip those inside out? Usually I don't take the time to do those. And I don't know why we don't do those because those are actually kind of cumbersome. We get ones that aren't pre-split. Yeah. I will say though, there's one exception for me of one bread that I don't pre-slice and that I always save totally whole and that's challah. Very often I make challah and usually I'm making two, like I make like three loaves at a time with my recipe. And so I inevitably am freezing challah and I've just found that for that particular, because it's like a brioche kind of bread, it's, there's a lot of eggs in it. I find that it's best, you know, wrap it well and freeze it whole. And then when I'm unwrapping it and I don't just thaw it on the counter, although that works too, I usually reheat it 
in wrapped in foil in the oven. And then it's almost like it's freshly baked. Okay, let me ask you a question. When you reheat it in the oven, do you like blast it with heat or do you just kind of gently do you do you thaw it first and then and then either warm way, it, up? it can be fully frozen. It just takes longer to reheat. If it's Friday, we eat challah on Friday night. I'll take it out maybe like midday. I'll remember at lunch. Oh yeah, I gotta take the challah out. And if I forget, it doesn't matter. It just takes longer to reheat. And then when I'm making dinner, if I'm heating something anywhere between 350 and 375, that's yeah. when I put the challah in because it stays warm for a while after. So I learned this bread trick. Usually I don't ever freeze full loaves of bread, but I did learn I, one year we received food gift from, I think it was from maybe Zabar's or something in New York City, like a deli. And someone sent us a loaf of bread and some cheese and some other things. And one of the suggestions when they sent this bread across the country was, I'm not joking about this, to run it underwater and throw it in a hot oven and it will crisp I remember. It up. You taught me and this. It, it worked brilliantly. And I have done that before. If for some reason I come home with a couple of loaves and I forget that it's in the corner of the countertop or whatever, I will get the oven 425 or something like get it hot. And then I will run that loaf of bread underwater, the whole loaf, not like leave it underwater, but just let it get wet. That will really regenerate it to like almost perfect. Like you won't know the difference. It works so well on baguettes too, this method. And you were the one who taught me it. I think the the sort of nuance that is at least worth sharing is that it needs to be a full loaf or a full baguette. Like you can't – this isn't like a piece of bread that you're running under there. No, it's like a a rustic bread bread or a sourdough or a baguette. A rustic okay, bread so or sourdough. We're still way, on our this main is, This is only my number one. This is like one of my number one. One A way I, I use my freezer is for bread. I'm just going to say that I also, this is my number one way of using my freezers. So, so we have discussed this in a, in a separate episode about cookies, which is that we keep cookies in our freezer. And that's like our one B. And we, not just cookies, but you keep fully cooked cookies, but I love to keep frozen cookie dough. Yeah. I don't like cookie dough because I want a fully frozen cookie cookie. I want it to be so frozen that it, it's crackly and crispy when I I want it I to be frozen. I still cannot when I'm understand. It. I cannot understand. I still will never I love understand. The crunch. I love the crunch so much. I appreciate um, and respect that that's your take on cookies. I'm not there yet, but the frozen <laughs> the joy of frozen cookie dough for me already individually scooped or formed is that at any moment in any day I can have warm freshly baked cookies and I just love that. Yes. It's like such a treat. It's a, by the way, it's a treat to yourself. There's that's an investment to yourself, right? Or an investment to a friend who comes over or an investment to someone that you would love to do something nice for. I love that idea. I think what I'll offer is we have one of those freezers that you open, it's on the bottom. And so right. it's it's like a giant treasure chest, but there right. is this sort of top drawer. That's where we keep the cookies. We keep some pints of ice cream. If there's any like sweets, we kind of keep them in that top drawer. Um, so my top the- shelf of my freezer. I have one yes. of those that opens like a door. My top shelf is all the cookie dough, ice yes. cream, and for, also for me, frozen fruit, which is an obvious thing to keep in your freezer just as a sidebar. My thing with frozen fruit is really preservation because often there's just times of year up here in Portland where you're just in a deluge of berries and 
stone fruit and it's the season so short that it's just you, you want to maximize you to it. So those things. And, right. and then like there's this one farmer who I just love her strawberries more than anyone's on earth and they freeze really well. So kind of my summer fruit stash. So like you don't keep that fruit. in your you don't keep that in your chest freezer though. I'm so I do you take those out regularly for smoothies and things or what no. do you keep that frozen fruit for? Why wouldn't you keep that in your chest freezer? Because I, I feel like that's wanna, taking up real I don't estate. Forget about it. I love it so much that I feel like when it ends up in my chest freezer and we'll circle back to this even though I make a list of what's in my freezer I still yeah. feel like it's out of sight out of mind and there's something about opening the freezer and seeing a little pouch of strawberries and a little layer of plums that just makes me so happy and it doesn't take up too much space if I have a total excess to your point are there is a stash of berries in my chest freezer my favorite fruits are always there upstairs okay so what if you see a package of plums what are yeah. you doing with them I make jam a, a fridge jam like not like one that you have to can I make okay. that really recently so literally or oh like I make a strawberry sauce I'm for a cheesecake so I'll take fresh straws oh strawberries gosh. a strawberry sauce for ice cream if you don't want to make bake anything it's like the quickest dessert or I'll make your pudding cake that we've talked about I'll take any oh, right. combination of fresh fruit and make a pudding you can put cake. any fruit in that yeah any cake any treat where you can cook the fruit whether it's a jam or a sauce or a element in like a muffin or cake that's what I'm using that fruit for the special fruit okay and then if I have smoothies I don't wait I don't usually add my precious special fruit to you don't the eat the, you don't use the fancy fruit in your smoothies I yeah I, I don't. get that yeah I get that those are my two biggest things that we definitely use in our in in the kitchen there's the bread all the breads you know there are times when we have a lot of bagels there are times when we don't have a lot of bagels but there's always some version of bread and then usually some version of ice cream slash cookies and then I actually have kind of a question which is because uh -huh. I do keep some vegetables mm -hmm. like corn and maybe some squash and some frozen spinach but I never use them. I know. Isn't it hard with the vegetables? I also like, always- you have like go-to recipes that you use them for? Okay. So- I skip a lot of frozen vegetables because I also just won't use them. Even like sometimes frozen spinach, I forget about, even though that's like so good for, you know, a spanakopita or something yeah. where you just need pre-done spinach. But I do keep corn because very often if I'm doing tacos or just like want an extra side to fill out a meal. I love just having a package of good corn to make with butter and lime and chili pepper or something like that. Real simple. Yeah. Kind of how you make it. Or I make like so. a corn pasta. Oh, yeah. I do that too. Or like for cornbread if I make it. I don't tend to keep a lot of frozen. Okay. I did just, I literally had a 30 pound squash that my friend gifted me. He grew it what? and he, he had too much squash. It was, I am not kidding. 30 pounds. It was And by squash, you mean like a, like a winter squash, like a, a hard winter squash. Kabocha. It's a Hubbard squash. It's like pale blue. It's giant, giant. Oh and it's gosh. so giant that you can't cut it with a knife. So Jonathan had to pick it up and slam it on the ground <laughs> on the sidewalk. <laughs> this is true. And so then yes, I had all these I've squash videos of people doing this where they like get up on a ladder and they throw the squash onto the concrete and then it breaks apart and then they can actually work with it. That's what we did. And so then oh I, I obviously couldn't eat all of it fresh. I didn't want to sit there and like cut it up for hours. So I just put all those weird squash pieces in the oven, roasted it, and now I've frozen essentially just a mash of squash. It's like almost pureed, but it, I didn't puree it. I just scooped okay. out the squash. So what I'm going to do with that would be great for a squash soup if I need to make any kind of squash soup or puree, a buttery squash puree 
side, like instead of mashed potatoes, you could do or a pie. Squash. You could use that for a pie. Or a pie. But the thing that I plan to use it on is actually I want to start making breakfast cookies, and I haven't yet fine-tuned my recipe. But do you know about breakfast Wait, cookies? When you find, yeah, I've heard. So I have a couple of recipes for breakfast cookies that clients used years ago, and I just never used them before I had kids. But now I would love to have a breakfast cookie recipe. So will you please get on this and perfect the <laughs> recipe so that I can just fill it? Only for you. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's what I think frozen squash would be good for. So I also, so that's why I prefer if I have frozen squash for it to be cooked because something about raw cubed frozen squash like just does it. It's like too much work. I can't get into it. Yeah. If you want to set yourself up to want to use the stuff in your freezer. I mean, I remember there was a year when we had sour cherries at the farmer's market and I bought a couple of pounds of sour cherries and then pitted them and then left them in my freezer to use in a pastry or to use in, in different like sweet applications. But, you know, those I would keep in my deep freeze too, which I think to your point, I'm glad to hear you saying that you have a list. I have at different times been good about keeping a list and then I'm not so good about keeping lists. For me, the best version of keeping a list is actually on my phone if I have it in the pages document. Oh, you're smart And then you just keep, Yeah. I always have, you know, you kind of always have your phone with you, right? Yeah. And then when you want to cross it off, you just delete it. And you always know, like if you just keep adding from starting with the top, you just keep adding from there. And then you know that whatever is on the top of the list is the oldest thing. So you don't even right. have to date it. I used to date them. I mean, this is next level for me too. This is like what you described <laughs> with the bread. My version is so analog. Piece of paper taped to my trust, chest freezer and every like six months I revisit and I cross things off as I take it. The things that are in there just because I feel like this is the short part of the conversation. We can detour to the chest freezer real quick. Yeah, like, yeah we should. The, ch- the chest freezer for me hold, yeah, long-term storage, things that I have doubles of. So if I have a lot of extra challahs, I'll keep some in there. I keep co- – if someone – like at Christmas, Hanukkah, we got a ton of coffee as gifts, which by the way, thank you very much to everyone. We love that as a gift. That's a nice gift. Such a, it's one of my favorite – I love it. Didn't I send you did I send you coffee this year? You did. I have, yes. Oh. We save it for Saturday mornings when we drink our French press. Oh, no. <laughs> so okay. So there's I, a I, big I, blue piece of tape that says from Sonia on that bag on that bag of, so yes, sweet. of coffee. So beans. I love, I love coffee, getting coffee and giving coffee. And I'll store beans in my freezer if I have too much at one time. And then the other thing that I always seem to load my chest freezer up with is stocks, bones, meat. So everything for soup. So if I make a big batch of stock, it's going to the chest freezer because I just know it's there and I'm going to use it. Currently in my garage freezer is all the turkey stock from Thanksgiving. You know, I had, I ended up with two turkey carcasses. So I have a lot of turkey broth. And then I have a friend who, my friend Annie, she saves her chicken bones from whatever chicken. She knows that I save my chicken bones. Actually, I should back up and say in my kitchen freezer, I have just a bag that everybody knows the bones just go into that bag. And when that bag is full, then that's usually when I'll make a chicken stock. Yeah. But my friend Annie saves her chicken bones and brings them to my house when she comes. <laughs> She'll bring like a load of them. But the funny thing about what she does is she eats a lot of yogurt. They they eat this like yogurt from Trader Joe's that comes in like a red plastic container. Yes. And so she saves those containers and then she stuffs the chicken bones into the containers. And then when she comes to my house, it'll just be like plastic bag full of these like containers, these yogurt containers that are full of bones. I and love so, this. That's such 
great recycling too. And it's so fun to open up my freezer and see all these red containers because I just know exactly where they've come from, you know? And what's in them. You already know what's in them. I love that. And I already know what's in them. It's not yogurt. (laughs) That's true food friendship is someone bringing you their leftover turkey or chicken bones for soup. I I don't have that yet in my life, but I I love hearing about that. (laughs) The other thing in my chest freezer that I forgot that I think is kind of important, there's two other categories. One is bulk nuts. I keep extra walnuts, extra almonds because nuts just go bad so quickly. And like, so I'll keep a, a large jar, like large size mason jar full of nuts in my pantry but then the extra that I have, I always keep in the freezer. And then the other thing is any kind of like whole grains. So if I have spelt flour or if I have rye flour, I always keep that or excess flour of any kind just because flour goes bad. So that's like my storage unit, right? For my food staples. Yeah, that's a great idea. I kind of forgot about that. My mom used to do that. She would keep things like walnuts and pecans in the freezer, but those would always be in our inside kitchen freezer too, because we would use them a lot. But aside from broth, which we of course both have a lot of broth in our freezer. You know, keeping soups, like if I make a tomato soup, usually if I make a tomato soup, I try to make a double batch so that I can keep some in the freezer. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I really love is like marinara. If I'm gonna dirty a pan, I might as well make a double batch of marinara, eat one, freeze the other. Bolognese freezes so well if you make a meat sauce. We recently made what's called like a Sunday sauce. I've never made this before. I mean, I think it's like it's definitely a tradition in a lot of Italian families where on Sunday you, you know, it has all these different versions of meatballs and pork and sausages. And so James and I made one of those and made a massive batch. So we have a baggie of that in the freezer outside. How special to have it in your freezer. Other things that freeze really well are brisket and any brisket leftover sauce from braising brisket. So right now I have frozen brisket already cooked in its sauce in the freezer in a pan that I can cook it all in right away. What a treasure to have that. So what are you going to do when that when that brisket comes out of the freezer? What are you going to do with it? Well, I mean, just serve it the way I would as if I had just made it that day. So with whatever side, which for me could be a root vegetable mash. It could root be a vegetable potato. mash. Your famous root vegetable mash that I <laughs> love so root. much. Yeah. That or potato kugel. And potato kugel, by the way, freezes so well. I love making extra kugel and having it in the freezer, especially for entertaining. Like, so even if I make it a week ahead of a holiday, Passover, oh, right. just so it's just like, then it's done. That time, right? Yes. That's what I also love the freezer for. It's your, it's again, it's like maybe people are coming over for dinner. Maybe unexpectedly you're hosting something. Maybe you want to get ahead in entertaining. Let me ask you this. I let me ask you this though. When you're freezing, because you mentioned this when we talked about the the Parmesan cauliflower dish, Sparrow Parmesan cauliflower, and how you have made that like in a casserole dish and frozen the entire thing in a casserole dish. The way that you would a lasagna, right? Like a frozen lasagna. And are you putting that in like a Pyrex or a casserole dish? Or how are you freezing those things? Because obviously if you make a lasagna, you can freeze it in a Pyrex, but then you just have to really make sure that you completely defrost it so that you're not putting a frozen dish into hot oven because that will make it explode. So you don't, that's, so I don't, I don't tend to do that 
in that way. But I do honestly, the, when I'm making something as like a casserole to freeze with the intention of freezing it, I'm usually doing it so that I can give a gift to someone who had a kid or someone who's grieving or someone who's sick. I want to be able to just have something in the freezer to give to them. Then I have a stack of foil casserole dishes that I can just give. I cannot fit a casserole dish into my my freezer that's out in the oh. garage. That's where like my extra storage is. It's a side by side. So it's really skinny. So putting something that that's that's even that wide, like a nine by 13, I just don't think that that would actually fit in there. They have half casserole dishes. And so sometimes I just split them in two as well. So I'm always playing around. I always have a stash of that just so I can make someone a meal and they don't have to worry about getting me a dish back. It's so thoughtful. That's so thoughtful. And also it's helping me realize the kind of limitations. I mean, it certainly sounds, it's an embarrassment of riches to have two freezers, right? Mm -hmm. But the thought of you having this chest freezer can put so much stuff into it. Like a whole loaf of challah would not fit in my freezer. Really? Well, I mean, I do keep a lot of stuff in there. So I just think about how much space is just not really available. It's a whole giant challah that would just take up so much space. I kind of think of the freezer as like a magical place for me too because somehow it's always incredibly full and somehow I can always always nestle something else into there. Like sometimes you see people's home – fridges or something and it's a half empty freezer and I'm always mesmerized how is their freezer so empty it's so I don't think I've ever had an empty freezer in my entire existence never because I just think there's so much potential in a freezer I mean one of the other things that you and I've talked about a a zillion times is keeping any measure of dumplings in your freezer that was gonna be my next topic so uh, we've talked about the investment meals things you've made ingredients you're keeping for some future event or reason but then there's this whole category of to me I call it the weeknight meal it's like a weeknight meal save yes also, right yeah. dumplings are like the king of this category and they can either be like a soup dumpling or you know a dumpling that will go into some measure of broth that you've made a pan fried dumpling there have been times when I've had friends over on a weeknight for like some kind of really what feels like a luxurious meal which is basically just frozen dumplings that I've thrown into a pan and crisped and and served with a vegetable as a side but I think dumplings are never a bad idea like they're just a bad idea there's no, and there's an infinite amount of dumplings in the world. I would put ravioli in this category. I obviously. Yes. Oh, I forget. That's a great right. one to have on hand too, because even if you have a cheese ravioli or get spinach ravioli, that's a great meatless meal. Yeah. So like the dumplings, blood. I seem to always have on hand. I always have some kind of bag of dumplings from H Mart that are filled. Usually, I like vegetable ones. Um, yes. But, you know, whatever one filling you – like kind of look like pot stickers. Sometimes they are pot stickers. Sometimes they're like called like mandu. They're like thick, meaty dumplings. Sometimes they're shaped in little circles. Some kind of – this isn't quite a dumpling, but it's dumpling adjacent. I don't know if you've ever seen these like frozen kimchi pancakes at H Mart. They're like little oh bags gosh. of – I love those know? so much. Aren't they yes. so good? Okay, they're so, so I always good. have those. And that's those. another great thing to have on hand. Yes. Yes. And then I, I love to have pilmeni, you know, like the Soviet-style dumplings. They're, yeah, they're Russian dumplings. Yeah. And I have I have a there's a local Portland actually has one of the largest Russian communities per capita in like the country and Ukrainian too. Like there's so many Russians and Ukrainians here. And there's this one market near me and 
they have many dumplings, but they there's a woman who make, hand makes pelmeni, and oh you gosh. have to, but they don't display it. So you literally have to go to the person and you say, have to "Hey, know to ask." You have you to can, ask. You at just the back say, like, <laughs> "Yeah, do you have any house made dumplings today?" Because sometimes she's out of town, or she just they, whatever, and they literally go to one freezer, they dig underneath all the ice cream and the popsicles, <gasps> and then they pull How out like a bag. out. How do you know this? Someone must have told you. Did you have an insider tip? No. What happened was the first time I. I went there they had her dumplings just in the regular dumpling freezer and I could tell they were homemade and had they had like a homemade label on them right. I bought them and I was like these are the best pilmini I've ever had that I or my grandmother hasn't made so the next time I went they were no longer there and I was like oh my god how do I get more and so I went and asked them and they're like oh yeah we have them and then I oh, saw them digging them. underneath the popsicles oh, wow. we save them for the people who know what a magical discovery <laughs> speaking of like special family things so when my mom comes out to visit one of the things that she brings is um, the zucchini bread that my dad's mom made, Ruby Lauritsen. My grandmother used to make zucchini bread and she would stick it in her freezer. And she and my grandfather lived about 20, 25 minutes from us. So when she would come to visit us, she would pull one of these frozen loaves of zucchini bread out of her freezer and then they would drive to our house. So when it would arrive, it would be kind of, it would be very cold and like it will have, it would have thought enough that we could slice it, but eating it was like very cold. And I remember when we were kids, we ate margarine, you know, we always have like a tub yeah. of margarine in our, fr- in our fridge. And so you could spread the cold margarine onto the cold bread and you know we would my parents would sit around and drink coffee with my grandparents and my sister and I would eat these cold loaves of you didn't like it bread. heated you didn't want to we didn't it like it heated. we just we wanted to eat it as quickly as possible so we just couldn't wait so I liked this it. is where so we, we diverge this is like the frozen cookie thing to me for me that <laughs> extra like I can't even imagine a world of cold zucchini bread and cold butter I understand it I can taste it I can think about it but my preference for melty butter on warm, warm. zucchini bread yeah. really but it is a good t- i do feel like I know someone who just always had a banana bread loaf in their freezer at all times to give as gifts to people. And I just love this idea of this history of people having these treats on hand in their freezers for any occasion. Wait, but do you have that recipe? Can we get it? Yes, we have the recipe, my grandmother's zucchini bread recipe. We can totally share that. And, you know, my mom makes it and also my son, Mac, loves it. And so when she comes, she will usually make a couple of them and we'll open one when she arrives at my house and we'll eat that for breakfast and have it for a snack. But we always, I always stick one in the freezer. So I have, I have one of those in the freezer. My mom and dad, when they come to visit, they also get these coffee cakes from my hometown bakery. Oh yeah. And, and we'll, and she'll usually bring a couple of those as well. So we'll eat one and then we'll freeze the other. Usually within the first 30 minutes of my parents' arrival, I've got like bags and things laid out and I get all that stuff into the freezer so that it's that it stays fresh like my mom also brings a box of cookies and so like I immediately take half of those cookies and stick them in the freezer so that we have them for another time I just feel like it's not fair that your mom doesn't come visit me (laughs) (laughs) I mean it's really it's such a treat when they come okay so I, I have a question for you before we get to the question I had this other thought which is the other thing I keep in my freezer that I didn't mention is in that category of the broth category I always on hand have 
not just bags of bones. I, I roast chicken, I keep the bones, and when the bag fills up, I'll make a broth. I also keep lots of bags of vegetable scraps. And I've been getting into also keeping like carrot peels, parsnip peels, all these peels, definitely herb stems. I always keep any kind of herb stem, cilantro, parsley, dill, all of those. And I just have bags and bags of that because either I'm going to be making a vegetable broth or a meat broth. And the other thing I keep in the vegetable category is mushroom stems because mushroom stems are really nice in a broth. So I started doing that because of you. I really didn't keep bags of them before you and I started having this conversation because I think usually when I worked for clients, like I would just kind of trim things and I would make stocks like at in that moment, but I now keep them frozen. I throw like all the bits and ends of the carrot tops and the celery and all those things. I throw them into a bag. Let me ask you this though. Do you keep, do you just put them all into one bag? Do you separate them into smaller bags? How does that work I usually have one bag with herb stems, one bag with mushroom stems, and one bag with a mix of vegetables. In the summer, if I'm making a corn dish, I might have a big bag of just corn cobs, a mix of different root vegetables, like they can all hang out together. But if it's right. like like corn or asparag- asparagus to me have like strong flavors, like I'll right. use them for specific purposes. Usually if I have corn cobs, I just immediately make a corn stock and then freeze that. I freeze the corn stock because it takes up less space. I'm not as immediate as you. <laughs> I'm like sometimes like – because if I've taken all the corn off the cob and I'm making a corn dish, I'm already in the process of making something. So there's just no way I'm like in the mood to make stock as well. I Maybe I have more room in my freezer, but I just keep it in my freezer because again, if something like that goes to my chest freezer, I forget it exists. And you forget – I just don't have enough space. I think – it's funny. If I'm cleaning corn for a dish, I just get out my big pot and I just throw the cobs into the pot and cover them with water and then they just immediately go onto the stove. So well, that I, I think don't that's even... very smart and probably what I should do because the truth is sometimes you don't always get around to the vegetables and you don't want them to get all like weird and freezer burned because then they're not right. really nice in any stock. Can I fill you in the next time I make something with corn? I'll let you know what I do. Yes. I probably yeah, no, will learn I, from you. I think that there's one other thing that we haven't talked about. I know that we both keep in the freezer, which are Parmesan rinds. I know you keep oh, them yeah. in there too. I do. I always keep parm- – because that is in a tomato soup or in a tomato sauce or lots of soups, a or white a, bean soup. A white bean soup. There's so much to do with those Parmesan rinds. And that's actually another thing that Annie will throw into the, the bone. <laughs> she gives you her bone. Parmesan rinds? She gives me her Parmesan rinds. Isn't that so generous? It's she so saves sweet. them for me. That's so I know. She'll sweet. always say there's a couple of Parmesan rinds in there. That's what she'll say. <laughs> that's so adorable. I love that. I really Okay, so my last question, because I feel like we've covered so much ground, we could almost keep going endlessly. We could talk endlessly about my freezer. I think it's such a treasure place. Okay. If I opened your freezer right now today, is there one surprising thing I would find? Ooh, that's a good question. I have a package of andouille sausage. I bet that's not surprising to you. No, that sounds perfect and very in tracks. Yes. <laughs> that's a, yes. a very carry thing to keep in the freezer. Is there anything like unexpected you freeze? One of my friends who's an amazing baker and throws really nice birthday parties for her daughter, she made these really beautiful sugar cookies and we ended up with like a couple of extra packages of them and mm. I stashed those cookies in with my other chocolate chip cookies. So every once in a while, like on a random Tuesday night, I can just like pull out one of her perfect sugar cookies and eat that. I don't think James has found 
found those. Like I kind of keep them in like different spots so I don't have to share them. Yes. Um, <laughs> so the hidden, yeah. the hidden parts of your freezer too. I'd have to say like my unexpected thing just disappeared. I just used it, but it was earlier this week. So there's this place called Papa Hyden's in Portland that's just like known for their cakes and they have like one of the world's greatest chocolate cakes. And so at Thanksgiving – a family member had bought a whole cake because it was someone else's birthday and they left they were from out of town so they left us like with half a chocolate cake which of course we weren't going to eat all at once and mostly I gave it all away but I froze some slices of cake because cake fully cooked frosted cake actually freezes really well it and so then it was beautifully doesn't it yeah and so it was yeah. a friend's birthday this week and they actually wanted Papa Hayden cake and they were asking me where else has great cake because this place is closed Papa Hayden closed for like the whole month of January <laughs> I happen to have Papa Hayden chocolate chocolate cake in my freezer, which you can have for your birthday. So it it worked out really well. I think that you've just made the point about the treasure. That's what I think is so great about freezer. It, I mean, it literally freezes things in time, right? If you've got this beautiful piece of cake, you just wrap it up nicely, put a label on it and stick it in your freezer. And like a month later, you're like, oh, wow, look it. I can just have a beautiful slice of cake. And, and even Further, you've made this gift to your friend who couldn't get the cake that they wanted. Who who are you? That's so nice. Well, it just worked out so perfectly. And also, like, I had just been waiting for an occasion to get rid of this cake because I didn't really want excess (laughs) cake in my freezer. But anyway, I just have learned so much. I'm already inspired about how I'm going to organize, what I'm going to make, what I'm going to save, what I'm going to use I know. I I love this idea that you have this chest freezer. I feel like I kind of need to find a space for a chest freezer now because I think that you can put so much in and then it just holds so many possibilities. I'm very pro chest freezer. And mine is small, by the way. Mine is really actually quite small. Cannot fit a person. Or two people like my grandparents. Oh my gosh. No, it's really like the smallest size one. Not It's square, not rectangular. And it still is such a bonus to have. So yeah. anyway. Wow. So Sonia, before we say goodbye, we wanted to say a quick hello to some of our listeners. Yes. First of all, thank you everyone who's listening. We are so grateful for all the new listeners and all the people who found the show. And we just want to give a shout out to some places where we're seeing that you're listening. Hello, Ethiopia. Hello, Iran. See Uh, you. We see you in Ethiopia. Yes. (laughs) We're so excited that you're listening. Thank you. And big shout out to Seattle, my hometown. Uh, You're our number one city. We love how many of you in Seattle are listening. Thank you. Yes. Thank you guys. We're so excited that you're here and that you're our food friends. Feel free to drop us a line anytime. We love hearing from you. And thanks again. Have a great day, Sonia. I'll see you later. Have a great day, Carrie. Bye. Bye. Thanks for being our food friend. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, leave us a review, and share this episode with friends. We love hearing from you, so follow us on Instagram or drop us a line at foodfriendspodcast.com. Yes, we'd love to hear from you and your food friends. Happy cooking and eating. Bye.